Miracy. There was once a boy who lived on Rathlin Island. Now Michael, like most boys his age, loved nothing more than to go out and about, exploring and looking for mischief. And each day his mother would say, Michael, don't go climbing the cliffs, you'll get all dirty and messy. All right, Mammy, I won't go climbing the cliffs. And Michael, don't go splashing about in the sea and coming back all wet and sandy. All right, Mammy, I won't go down to the sea. And Michael, she'd say, whatever you do, don't go near the hawthorn tree. You know what they say about the hawthorn tree. Well, on this day, Michael set out with a little bucket. He was off to pick blackberries. Just before he got to where the blackberry bushes were, didn't he see the cliffs? He thought to himself, well, no one will know. I'll have a little climb. So he climbed up high and he got dirty and scratched and his trousers were even a little torn. He had a great old time. Then he went down to where he had left the bucket and set off on his way to pick blackberries. But just then, didn't he see the path that led to the beach? He looked over his shoulder. Sure, no one will know. I'll have a little swim. Michael went down the path that led to the beach and he splashed around and got all sandy and wet, but he loved it. Then he remembered the blackberries. He went back to the path and continued along until he came to the place with all the blackberry bushes. Michael started to pick the blackberries. He reached into the back of the bushes through all the branches and the thorns so he could pick the biggest ones. Some ended up in the bucket and many he stuffed in his mouth until the juice ran down his chin, like blood. Just then, out of the corner of his eye, he noticed the hawthorn tree. And though he knew better, well, it was like a magnet. He couldn't help himself. He went towards the tree, put down his bucket, and no sooner had he put one hand on a branch and one foot on the root of the tree, didn't the tree open right up and he fell forward and fell down and down until he found himself into a huge cave and it was full of little people. Hi, I'm Lisa Bloom, the Story Coach, and you're listening to Once Upon a Business. In each episode, we'll explore a story, a fairy tale, folk tale, or traditional story, so that we can discover the amazing lessons relevant for business and for entrepreneurs. The little people in the huge cave that Michael found were all very busy. Some were sitting around the fire cooking and talking, some were cleaning and scrubbing, and some were playing musical instruments. But as soon as they saw Michael, they stopped what they were doing and looked at him. I'm so sorry, Michael said. I I didn't mean to fall into your house. I'll be off now. My mammy is waiting for me. And the little people looked at him and they said, Michael, you're not going anywhere. And then the little people began to pick up cloths and bowls and they came towards him and they climbed up all over him and they started to clean him. They scrubbed his skin and sewed up his torn trousers and they kept cleaning and scrubbing him all over. A few even cleaned inside his ears and up his nose. He'd never been so clean. And it took a very long time. Like most boys his age, it was not long before 
he got hungry, and no sooner had the thought of food entered his mind, a few little people came towards him with a huge tray of food. Go on, have something to eat, they said. But Michael was no fool, and everyone knows that if you eat fairy food, you'll never get out alive. Oh, that's fine, he said. I'll be off home for my dinner now. My mammy is waiting. And they just replied, Oh, Michael, you're not going anywhere. And they kept on cleaning and scrubbing and scrubbing and cleaning. Just then, Michael noticed at the far end of the cave, there was a tiny little door. And Michael thought, if these are fairy people, and this is a fairy place, then if I go over to that little door, I'll get smaller or it'll get bigger and I'll be able to get out and go away from this place. Meanwhile, back at the cottage, Michael's mother was beginning to get very worried. It wasn't like Michael to stay out quite this long. She walked outside and looked up the road and looked down the road and said, Michael! But there was no sound. She walked back inside the cottage and sat down by the fire, wringing her hands so worried. It was getting late and it was time for their tea. Then she went outside again and looked up the road and she looked down the road and shouted, Michael! Still no sound. This time she couldn't even sit down. She was pacing back and forth. It was getting dark and still no sign of him. She took her lamp and walked outside and looked up the road and she looked down the road and she said, Michael, Michael. And then she heard the sounds, the sounds of running feet. And there he was standing in front of her. She just held her breath and said, Michael, I'm glad you're home. She took him inside and sat him down at the table. She gave him food and he ate as if he hadn't eaten in days. She didn't say a word. She didn't ask him where he'd been or what he'd done. When he finished eating, she took him inside to the bedroom, and she tucked him in nice and snug with the blanket tucked right under his chin, his little hands peeking out above the blanket. She didn't say a word. She didn't ask anything. But for Michael, the story was bubbling inside him, and he couldn't hold it in a moment longer. Mammy, Mammy, I'm so sorry I went climbing on the cliffs. And just like you said, I got dirty and messy. I'm really sorry, Mammy. I won't do it again. That's all right, Michael. But that's not all, Mammy. I went down to the sea and I splashed around and I got wet and sandy, Mammy. I'm really sorry. I won't do it again. That's all right, Michael, she said. But Mammy, I didn't tell you the worst of it. Mammy, I went to the hawthorn tree and Mammy, as soon as I touched it, didn't it open up? The whole tree opened and swallowed me, Mummy, and I found myself in a huge cave, and it was full of little people. I think they were fairy people. It's true what they say, Mummy. And it was like they knew me, they knew my name, and they started to clean me, Mummy, all over me. They just kept cleaning me. And all the while, as he was talking, she couldn't take her eyes off the little finger on his left hand. Mammy, they offered me food, but I remembered what you told me, never to eat fairy food, so I didn't. And Mammy, then I saw a door, and I ran towards it, and it got bigger, and I escaped, and I ran straight home to you, Mammy. I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. And all the while, she couldn't take her eyes off the little finger on his left hand. Well, she gave him a kiss, and she wished him good night, and she went to the fireplace, sat down, and began to cry She was crying with relief because her son had come home, because she had got him back. You see, what she knew was that the fairy people were trying to clean his whole world off of him, and if they had managed to do so, he would never have been able to come back home. And what she saw, 
On that little finger on his left hand, lodged deep in his nail, was a thorn, a thorn from the blackberry bush. The fairies had missed it, and if they had seen it and had taken it out, that was it. His entire world would be gone, and she would never have seen him again. From that day on, Michael's mother never told him again not to go to the places that he would get dirty and messy. And when he would come home like most children his age, scruffy and full of mud, she'd be very happy. And from that day on, Michael never went near the hawthorn tree again. I've been telling this story for years in a business context, not because of its lessons necessarily, but because of the experience that it provides to us as adults. I often ask my audience, when was the last time you heard a story like this? And for many, they either can't remember or they can only think of the times in their childhood when they were told these kinds of stories. So it's a wonderful example of the power of story to immerse us in another world, in a different time and place. I remember once telling the story to a group of very serious executives. They were somewhat ambushed by the story and by me. You see, they were told that they were to attend an organizational intervention, and they were prepared to talk about change management and strategic initiatives. And here I was telling them a story about a little boy who gets captured by the fairy people. It was quite a shock. And yet what happened was amazing. They just sank into the story and My colleague who was observing from the side said that when I described the little boy being swallowed by the tree, they all kind of lurched forward as if they too were falling into the cave. These senior executives, terribly serious people, were swept out of their highly pressured and structured environment full of expectations and deliverables into a world where they could imagine again and get lost in the moment of the story. So when we moved out of the story and back into their world, they could be creative and free and open to ideas and initiatives that were not accessible to them prior to the story experience. So sometimes a story is useful and helpful in business simply for this, to move us to places we can't quite imagine or see on our own, and to access the parts of us that long to be creative and free. And with all this, the story still has some interesting lessons beyond the experience. The little boy, Michael, is a natural rule breaker, as most young boys are, and I believe are most entrepreneurs. Many of us love to push the boundaries of what's expected or what's allowed in order to bring our most creative selves to the ideas we long to propagate through our work. So like Michael, we may look over our shoulders to see who's watching and if we can get away with it. And then if we can, we love to color outside the lines, to push beyond what others are doing or what's generally acceptable. That's what makes for our innovative products and services. Michael is also amazingly calm and collected, if you think about it. Despite his terrifying ordeal, he keeps his wits about him and remembers not to eat the fairy food. That's the first thing that saves him. And then paying attention to every detail around him, he sees the door and the path to his escape. It's a reminder that in business, we need to stay calm and not get rattled by the unexpected caves we fall into. If we find ourselves in a difficult situation, there's always a way out. I had a client who realized that the accountancy firm he'd been working with was incredibly inept in keeping up with his accounts. It turned out that he had incurred many fines and financial debt when he thought that he was on top of it all. 
Well, first he was pretty devastated, but quickly he recovered. He kept his head, he took swift action and managed to minimize the impact and the damage. He also took complete responsibility for not keeping his eye on the ball. Ultimately, he'd let it go on for far too long. Once he made the changes, he found that his company became much more profitable in the following years. He realized, and I think it's so true, that in business we need to stay calm and know that there's always a way out. In the story, the mother is the rule maker, and she tries to keep Michael safe and clean, a hopeless goal, I can tell you, as a mother of boys. Yet she learns to let her son be free, to run wild, to explore. Similarly, if we're going to run a business, we have to experiment. We have to tolerate ambiguity. We can't plan for every possible contingency. And we can't be so afraid of what might happen that we don't even try. Because business is messy. It's not a straight line to success. And the sooner we learn to tolerate that, the more content and fulfilled we'll be on our entrepreneurial journey. It's not always about where we arrive or what we achieve. It's important to be able to appreciate and even enjoy the journey, even if it's ambiguous and challenging or dirty and messy. And finally, after I shared this story with one of my colleagues, she said, I wonder what's the thorn in me that keeps me grounded? What is it that can always lead me home? It's an interesting and important question. And when I think of home, I think in terms of being authentic and connected to my values and my purpose. In business, it's so easy to be led astray or pulled in many directions, and so important to stay grounded, focused, and aligned with our true purpose. It might be helpful if we can all identify what it is that can help us stay clear and grounded. For me, it's my stories. They remind me of who I am, where I've come from, and where I'm going. They help me understand the work I need to do, the people I need to serve, and create an understanding for me of my place in the world. I'm Lisa Bloom, and you've been listening to Once Upon a Business. You can find out more about me at story-coach.com. That's story-coach.com. Once Upon a Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Course Lab, this episode of Once Upon a Business was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson and Melissa Deal assembled the episode. Danny Innie is our executive producer. Post-production was by Post Office Sound. To catch the episodes that are coming up on Once Upon a Business, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And in the words of Maureen Potter from the Gaiety Theatre way back in my childhood, she'd say... If you liked the show, tell your friends. And if you didn't, keep your breath to cool your porridge. So if you did like this show, please leave us a starred review. It really does help us out. Thank you. We'll see you next time.